Welcome to the PIO Podcast, a place for all things public information related for police, fire, EMS, and local government. An open forum to learn, grow, and develop your public information skills. Your host, Robert Tornabeni, is a public information officer with over 10 years in the field and 27 years of law enforcement background. In each episode, we will explore different aspects of the public information officer profession. Weekly, we will delve into the field of public information by talking to other PIOs. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Good morning. Today on the PIO podcast, we have Assistant Chief John Ritz, and he is from the Hobart Fire Department. John, thank you for coming on the show. Robert, good morning. The pleasure is all mine. How are you, sir? I'm doing very good, and yourself? I am well. Thank you. So you serve in the capacity as well as the assistant chief, but one of your primary duties is a public information officer for the department. So what is your background and and how did you end up with that title PIO as well? Well, sir, I I started in public service. This makes my 31st year. I'm not as old as you might think. I started young, let's put it that way. Uh, The last 24 serving with the Hobart Fire Department, which is in northwestern part of Indiana. Um, I became a lieutenant and a line officer about 12 years ago. We we got a new chief about four years ago, and he he had seen um, the social media that I had done with our our union. I was on the executive board for many years with our local, and he told me he was impressed with that. And he asked me to run the social media and be the public information officer for our department. So I agreed to do that with him. He was a, a former PIO with our department way back in the 90s. He retired, came back to the fire chief, and he saw the importance of having the PIO position within our department. He asked me to do it, sent me to some classes. Robert, here we are. I love it. Excellent. Well, you know, that's good to see that that a chief recognized your skills before even putting you in a position like that. But at the same time, not a whole lot of fire departments have like a, a dedicated person as their point of contact as a PIO. I know in some departments it's very common, but and Hobart, how big is the community and how big is the department in size? The population of Hobart is about 30,000. It stretches over, honestly, it's about 24 square miles, but there's a lot of rural area, an undeveloped area in that. It's a very diverse community to say the least. So our department itself is about 56 people. We're always looking for more. There's there's budget crunches all over the country. I wish we could hire more people. And if we could, we certainly would. We should be, in my opinion, over 60 people. But here we are. We run fire and EMS out of four firehouses with about, I'd say we have about 51 people on the line. Okay. So a, a decent-sized fire department for, for most most uh, areas. I mean, you know, anytime you're over 50 and, and under 250, that's about the average. And, and that's excellent. So as a, as a PIO for the fire department, how are you, what platforms are you using? How are you sending out alerts and doing notifications? And I'm assuming you're doing some kind of pub ad and community outreach as well. Robert, I thought about this quite a bit. We, you, we rely heavily, like a lot of people do on social media, but we have to be very careful. Very few people understand the algorithms that the social media platforms use. So it's very hard to reach everybody with just social media. Now, if I may expand a little bit, if you don't mind, um, I practice times of day, what content to give to the people. I think the average attention span in adults these days on social media is about eight seconds. And we all do this. When we scroll through our phones and on our computers, we see LinkedIn messages. We keep scrolling. We look for something that's visually pleasing. 
something that jumps out at us, an action photo or bright colors. It's hard to admit that, but that we all do it. So to only reach out to people on social media, we're missing a vast part of the audience. Like I said, who knows how these algorithms work? So in Hobart, we use, the city uses the Blackboard program, emails, phone calls, and text messages to get warnings out about different things about um, weather or road closings, things like that. So we cannot just rely on social media. That is, uh, we're missing so much of the population if we only do that. Especially if you think, if you consider the different ages of, of your community. So if you have an elderly, you're not going to have people on social media. They're, they're going to rely on the news media and, and you know, the, the television news media. They're going to rely on maybe even talk radio as a, as a way to get information. Where we are in Northwest Indiana, we're about 40 miles outside of Chicago. So Chicago being the third largest city in the nation, they don't really have to find news outside of their own city, the, the, the television stations or radio. So something major has to happen before they're going to venture over to Northwest Indiana. I'll be quite honest with you. So what we have here to reach out to our public, we only have two local newspapers. Well, I have a great relationship with all of the journalists that I come in contact with. So anytime I want to make a story, I don't hesitate to reach out to any or all of them. But as far as television, radio, that's another obstacle altogether where we're at in Indiana. We're not in Indianapolis. We're not South Bend. We're just outside of Chicago. Like I said, there's plenty of news stories everywhere else for the television to cover. So we do have to rely on what we can do, like I said, on the blackboard to reach our citizens in our city and some social media and a little bit of the local newspapers. That's completely understandable. You know, the news stations, you know, the average news story is not even two minutes in length on a TV station. And then you add into that, you know, you're competing against the city of Chicago, which is constantly on fire in, in more ways than one. It makes it very difficult for you as a small community to try and even get a message to them or their willingness to even put that message out. Um, it would have to be catastrophic in most cases. That correct, and, correct. And, and of course, then on top of it, you're competing across all the other communities that are uh, viewers of the, in the viewing area of those news stations. So, yeah, an incredible uh, uphill battle in order to get that information out. Do utilize some social media platforms. So, I'm assuming what Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, mostly a little bit of Snapchat. We've toyed with the idea of TikTok. I'm not sure if I want to get into that yet, but to be honest with you, Robert. Um, here's our theory is um, we're not hiring people my age anymore. We're hiring younger people. And if we want to recruit and retain people, we need to reach them over whatever they do. So I might have to get into the TikTok. Yeah. Yep. It's unfortunate. They <laughs> might have to do that. Yeah, the age groups for those those uh, platforms are relatively uh, young. You had mentioned um, older generations rely on television and radio more. Um, as far as that might be a baby boomer thing, but as far as my generation, Gen X, they're all on Facebook and they don't really do Twitter much right, or right. Instagram or Snapchat. Exactly. So the, the millennials and Gen Z, they're out there on Snapchat and, and TikTok. We may have to get into that soon. Yeah, I, I know. I've, I've started playing with, with TikTok and, and working on that as a, as a platform to learn a little bit more about. And it's, it's uh, definitely challenging, um, especially for somebody at my age. So, but it's also entertaining at the same time. So, John, we are in the second year of the pandemic, and how has your role as a PIO changed from last year to present? 
boy, last year was very challenging, wasn't it, Robert? We had to tell everybody where vaccinations wear a mask and washed our hands and socially distance. And we also had to, to boost morale with our citizens. You're, we have to stay home and stay away from each other, but we can still go for a walk, things like that. We had to tell our citizens that keep your spirits up. We're not going to be here forever. Well, this year, we're not social distancing anymore. So our, our, our news to the people, our messages has changed a little bit. We're still in the social distancing phase or we're a mask phase, but we don't really have to tell people anymore where vaccination sites are or to stay home. So it's lessened a little bit in the area of uh, the pandemic and COVID. We're not sending out as many messages as we used to. And to be honest with you, Robert, uh, it's politically charged now. Ah. The idea of wearing a mask or getting vaccines. If you post something like that in social media, there's going to be some comments. Yeah. Politically charged comments. It, it is, you have to be careful. It has definitely become a politically charged debate dealing with masking and wearing a mask and socially distancing. Misinformation, disinformation, the, the, the political end of it behind it. It, it, should, it is. It's a nightmare in some cases. I had an incident the other day. I was in one of our grocery stores here in Illinois, and we have uh, there's a mask order indoors, and there was a gentleman, two people in front of me that wasn't wearing a mask, and the employee came up to him and said, "Sir, you got to wear a mask or leave." And that became a, a like a very contentious argument, and uh, they ended up calling the police to get the guy out. It puts everybody in an awkward position, oh, it, doesn't it? It's incredibly awkward. And you know, when I'm just standing there going, Yeah, I just I just go to another aisle. <laughs> I don't even want to be involved in that. You know, guys keep... Where's that self checkout? Exactly, exactly. All right, so you do you do did you guys change any kind of internal messaging to employees uh about information from the CDC or health departments uh to deal with social distancing and mask use internally? Robert, it's funny you should mention that because, boy, information changed. It seemed like almost every day, didn't it? And we released one thing to our people, and the next day it seemed like something else came out. And all of, I mean, everybody has access to the information. Our, our employees, our firefighters and, and medics were absolutely great about it. If they saw something that I hadn't seen yet, they would send it to me. As far as uh, keeping our people safe, I want to say, and I don't know 100%, but I, I think nobody got sick from on our department because of a call, because of they were with somebody who had COVID. We had all of the proper PPE, personal protective equipment on. And I don't think anybody caught COVID because of access to a patient, some a member of the public while they were on duty. So our messaging to our people got through loud and clear, and we were all on top of it. Not just me, not just my fire chief, but everybody on the line from every the newest person to the oldest person. Everybody followed through and they took care of each other and they listened and they gave feedback to us. Let's take a quick break. 
When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. That's excellent. You know that that's really good that uh, you you were able to make sure that your messaging was good and that and not only that, but that when when your staff sees things to share it back to you, very very important. And that's a PIO's job is is immensely difficult to begin with when your employees then are returning information to you so that it benefits everybody that saves you so much work in, in the long run. So it's definitely helpful when they do that. Your typical inquiries from the news media, what, what were some of the things that you would get? Uh, I, I'm, you know, fire calls and accidents and all that. I'm assuming they're looking for what happened, how it occurred, correct? If I may give a little bit of backstory, Robert, if you have a moment. Absolutely. When I, when I was first asked to be the PIO, I was still a line lieutenant working a 24-hour shift on one day off or two, but I was the only PIO. So I would respond off-duty back to the city if I had to, but I really did rely on that two-way communication from the guys that we just talked about. So to get ahead, I, I've taken some classes and learned a lot from other PIOs and, and really paid attention to get ahead of stories. We have to put our own story out, let's be honest, before the media can get in there and change it or anybody can tell the story. We should tell it the way we want it to be told. So if I can get a story out about a fire or a car accident or something that happened in the community before the media gets a hold of it, that helps greatly. When they return their messaging, if I can get all the information out correctly and everything they need, I don't get a lot of questions back. Sometimes they'll get a hold of something in the middle of the night when, when I'm sleeping, to be quite honest, and I don't have it yet. I'll get a phone call. What time did this happen? What is the fire still under investigation? Was anybody hurt? Were any firefighters hurt? Things like that. I mean, you get your typical questions back from the media, but for the most part, as a PIO, I try to get the story out first before they get it and get all the information out to limit the question and get the information to the public as well. That's our job. Well, and it's telling your story from your perspective instead of allowing them to tell the story from their perspective. So exactly. Very important. Very good. With the news and the flow of information and the pace that it goes right now, especially because even the local newspapers have an online presence and they believe that it's very important for them to, to push that online presence as quickly, the information as quickly as they can. Have you seen or have you, have you experienced that the news media where their job is trying to be first, not necessarily always accurate, create a problem? And then how do you handle those inaccuracies? Well, like I, like I said, Robert, I really try very hard to be first. Sometimes it doesn't work. So I, I've had, I've honestly had some personal phone calls with some journalists about getting information correct. They've even, I've had some journalists in our area that have, not change my title. I was lieutenant before in PIO, became assistant chief, and they still call me in the newspaper lieutenant. And I'll have to call them and correct them. That's not a big deal. It's not about me. It's about the story. But I have had those personal phone calls with more than one journalist about getting the information correct. I don't think it's done maliciously. It's just done with speed. 
and they want to get it out there. There's heavy competition. You know how it is with the media. They want their story out. Newspapers aren't what they used to be. No, they're not. And, everything's, and they're, everything's on the line now. A lot of turnover as well in those small companies. Right. You get any in- inquiries from the non-conventional journals like bloggers and things like that? Uh, not so much about bloggers. Uh, we have in our area some freelancers have their own companies. But not so much for uh, for anybody that does their own blogger podcast like yourself. No, not really. Okay. Not in this area, probably in the city, like we were talking about, but not here in Northwest Indiana, no. Okay. So in your opinion, what is the most important personality trait or strength someone would need to have as a public information officer to be successful in the job? I would have to say, Robert, honestly, is compassion and caring and love for the job itself, love for your coworkers, respect for the job, and the... Um, the compassion for the community to have to want the community to have the right message the right message at the right time so they can make the right decisions you have to care about the people that's number one to me we can't just sit back and watch something bad happen and not communicate with the with our public they need to know what's happening and to be safe that's well said so what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone who would be starting out in this career as a PIO? Learn from other people. You're going to make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. And everybody does. I still do. Robert, I'm not saying you do. You might. <laughs> I'm always learning. Every day I'm learning. That's why I do this podcast Never... is to learn. <laughs> Never stop learning. At the moment you think you know everything, you're done. You should retire because you don't and you never will know everything. As a, um, I'm also, I'm still a paramedic after all these years too. And I tell you what, we can learn from everybody, even the newest paramedic out of school. Maybe they learned something that I didn't learn 30 years ago. Yep. We can always be learning from everybody in every situation. Always learn something. That's my advice. I I agree with that. Very good. Excellent. And then last but not least, what's the biggest challenge that you believe is facing PIOs right now? How, How could we tackle it better? It is probably being first with the message. Like, again, like we talked about, Robert, the, the media, they are uh, just competing with each other and speed and accuracy and the way social media runs today. Again, like we talked about attention spans, the story has to be out immediately, whether it is 100% correct or not. Our biggest challenge is getting the correct story out the first time. That's what I believe. And, and getting the information to the public that they need to be safe before rumors start, before the wrong story gets out to them. That's our biggest challenge. I, I, I'm going to agree with you on that one, John. I agree. That's excellent. All right, so let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's go to some rapid fire questions. Uh, sure. Beer, wine, cocktail. What's your favorite? Cocktail. Robert, you know what? Tequila is not for shots. It's for sipping. That's my stance. That's my hill. I'm going to die on the hill right there. There you go. Tequila cocktail all day, every day. Well, not right now. but Right, right, right. Now while you're working, Dan. Uh, your favorite sport to watch? My favorite sport far and away is baseball. I'm a baseball nerd. Love it. I can watch any baseball game at any time at any level from Little League all the way up to the majors. Uh, favorite baseball team? The Chicago White Sox. They're live and die with oh, them. Oh, yeah. And they're well on their way to a... Uh... They're having a good year. Yes, they are. Excellent. Your favorite food? Favorite food. You know what, Robert? Living here in the Chicagoland area, sometimes Northwest Indiana just seems like another... Well, maybe a south suburb or even a, a, a part of Chicago, the, the attitudes and the food and everything here. 
So pizza, number one, far and away, nowhere, I'm going to make some enemies right now, but nowhere in the rest of the state of Indiana can you get pizza except for Northwest Indiana. And that's because it's in the Chicagoland area. We have good pizza on every street corner here. <laughs> no arguments there. I'll agree with you on that. You, what is your biggest pet peeve? In anything? In life in general, Robert? Yeah. Slow drivers in the left lane. Can't stand it. I, I'm telling you what, if you see an Ohio plate, you're going to be late. That's my <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding about the Ohio plate, but people that drive slow in the left lane drive me nuts. Yeah, my father-in-law would always say, why are they in the left lane? And he'd honk the horn in them. <laughs> my wife picked up that habit, and I said, you can't do that. <laughs> Do you have a book that you would recommend to the audience and watch? One, I've, I've read a lot of books and I'm a history nerd and I love biographies about people, about famous people or people that made an impact on others. My favorite one is called Heavier Than Heaven by Charles Cross. It is a biography on Kurt Cobain. And that is my favorite era of music is the 90s grunge. You know, you have the 60s hippies that live forever in their tie-dye shirts and flowers in their hair. Well, that's going to be me. <laughs> Excellent, John. I love it. Heavier than heavy. I'll check that out. Insight into mental illness is what it will is what I got out okay. of that book. And it really does shine light on how other people think and and depression and anxiety that people have and it, how it can affect them. It's on it's not on the surface. Well, I mean, a lot of people that I used to think this way that um, mental illness was a weakness. And it certainly is not. Mental illness is a it's across our country. So many people have it in our population and it can be just debilitating. And this book itself opened my eyes on that was just the beginning for me, but this was a great book. Charles Cross, heavier than heaven. I will have to check it out and I will add that into the show notes too. Is something that uh, you recommended. Excellent. Final thoughts, John, anything you'd like to add? One thing that I is um, we're all in this together, the police or firefighters and PTSD is a pandemic in itself across our country. We need to take care of each other. Stop picking on each other. It doesn't matter whether you're a full-time firefighter, you're a volunteer, you're paid on call. We all do the same job. None of us is better than the other. Take care of each other. Don't be a bully. PTSD is a problem. We need to get over this. We've gotten better over with it over the past few years. We're starting to talk to each other more, but it has to, that awareness has to increase. Stop being a bully. That's my message. I agree. Uh, definitely. If you think about when I came on the job, what it was like coming on and with some of the old timers compared to the way it is now. Um, just, yeah, definitely. We need to be nicer to each other. Definitely. Peer support, employee assistance programs, invest in them because they're worth it. Absolutely. They help. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. And, and I came from a department where we had two employees commit suicide, relatively small department. Oh, it's very tough to deal with. And um, we have, we had employee assistance program after the first one, and we had a very detailed one for the second one. Uh, unfortunately, he was, it was very hidden. He, he did not. Um, it was just an unknown. Just came out of nowhere. And very, very tough to deal with. I'm sorry to hear that. That's yes, terrible. Yes, absolutely. So, John, how can people best reach out to you if they want to learn more about you or connect with you? I am on the, uh, I'm on the Twitter machine. Like we, uh, how you found me, Robert. John's Fire. That's me on Instagram and and Twitter, and of course, I'm on Facebook or the Hobart Fire Department. Search those anywhere, and you can find me. If anybody 
really wants to talk to me, they can. I doubt it. But and I will add. I'll add all that into the show notes so that that people can connect with you if they'd like. Um, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. Robert, the pleasure was all mine anytime, sir. And that's Assistant Fire Chief John Reitz from the Hobart Fire Department. Thanks for coming on the show. Before we end this episode, just a few reminders. Please complete our survey for future guests on the show. You can find the link in our Twitter profile. Lastly, you can help support the show by donating. Every little bit counts to making and growing the show. Until next time, be safe. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at the podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of the latest episode. If you are listening on a platform that allows reviews, please give us a review. We appreciate any review, good or bad. It helps us improve on each episode. Until next time, be safe.